Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Grau, Baldy Red, as I'm Forest head into the final three games of the Premier League season with the relegation battle very much on the line. Joining me to discuss the game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Saturday, first of all, is Reds fan Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, ready to go. Good, good. Hope you're feeling well. And second guest today is Michael Temple. Temps, you okay? Feeling good, mate. I think I'm still pumped up from Monday night. Like The stress of what's to come hasn't hit me yet. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling particularly chipper. Yes, well, we'll come on to your optimism. Uh, surely, it's normally you're the pragmatic one and Greg's the optimistic one. I'm, I'm sure Greg will be optimistic, but you're feeling equally upbeat heading into Stamford Bridge. So we'll get on to that. Um, one thing before we start on that, I want to just get your take quickly on the penalty against Southampton because it's been an ongoing debate in the last couple of days on Twitter. I was very much of the opinion it was never a penalty. So I was a bit surprised by how many people said it was. What was your take on it? Look, it was a clumsy challenge that he kind of checked himself and withdrew from and uh, an opposing player that was determined to um, bring out the theatrics and make the most of it. So, no, for me, it wasn't a penalty. Two blokes in a wagon then spend three minutes staring at it and decide that it is. But I think what we've seen in that game, but possibly with the Brennan penalty as well, is, is two examples where they don't turn over the original decision because it's so marginal they trust the trust the call on the on the pitch. I don't think I think if he doesn't give either penalty, they probably don't get given either. And it's that it's like the soft signaling in cricket, isn't it? The umpires the umpires call on the on on the Hawkeye. There's a time when decisions are so marginal that they tend to favour the, the the original decision made by the ref. Sam Surridge is no defender, um, but yeah, for me that 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 wasn't a that wasn't a foul. That wasn't a foul. Surely, mm. surely we've got a clean sweep on that. Surely we're all clearing on the same page there. Yeah, and the, the thing is as well, I'm glad that they've, uh, you know, like I said in the last episode, if a referee or an official makes a bad decision, they get punished for the next game, don't they? Every penalty decision is referred. So, yeah. I mean, I don't want to do 20 minutes on VAR. Have we really moved on? Are we still debating uh, marginal decisions? Yes, we are. Over the course of a season, some go for you, some go against you, but you hold the ones that go against you particularly dearly because they're the replays that you save on your skybox and watch again and again and again. But I I think in this instance, um, the fact that they looked at it for so long from so many angles told you they were kind of looking for a reason to support the ref's original instinct on on the pitch. And I think he's a great ref, Michael Oliver. Mm. Um, I, I don't think he particularly his best game there, but I, I can see why he gets the bigger games. He's decisive. His body language is very positive. The, the players certainly respect him. Um, but yeah, I think he was he was sold to there by the by the player. I was speaking to Jason Lee, by the way, who assesses referees. 
And he told yeah. me the biggest challenge they have is that every Premier in the Premier, every player in the Premier League will try to cheat a ref, and then come up or you know arms up, nice guy, having a chat beforehand, softening up, whatever, and then rolling around like a madman when they feel the faintest touch, or don't click their own heels together, whatever. So it's become part of the strikers box of tricks hasn't it to try and con the odd penalty here and there and I think that's what happened on Monday night yeah two interesting points from it as Greg alluded to there Paul Tierney the VAR is now the match official for the Chelsea game um that's fine you know he's ref Forest a few times this season I think he did the Liverpool game that was a great result so you know is what it is that's fine and the other thing poor old Sam Surridge you know didn't really take his chance again and I didn't mention this on Monday, but if that was Andre Ayew, who we spent 20 minutes debating the previous week, if he'd made that tackle, and whether we don't think it's a penalty or not, he would have been absolutely slaughtered uh, on social media and probably Emmanuel Dennis as well. Um, but that was a side point, yeah. Right, um, business of the day, of course, is discussing the Chelsea game. Greg, kick us off. How are you feeling about it? I just want to... We were saying the other day how quick this season seems to have gone and I just want to know now. I just want these games to be done and over and know, know what happens. But what an opportunity we've got in our own hands going down there. I, I still think of Chelsea as a top four team. I see that name we're playing and think, oh, God, that's going to be tough. But, you know, Brentford's arguably a better team we've come across and we give them a real fight. So why not? And I'm sure those players don't think ours, us nervous fans think. I'm sure they'll be going down there thinking we score so many goals at the minute. Let's go down there and keep playing the attacking play that we play and, and see what happens. We might concede three, but then we might score four again. So I think it's going to be exciting whatever happens. Is that the thing for you, Temps, that kind of Chelsea veneer, that aura of the Mourinho days that gives you a false impression of how good they are? I mean, I admit they've got very good players, but they don't look like a team at the moment, do they? And I don't think Frank Lampard's helped. They've gone for that kind of legendary, mythical figure to, to galvanise a, a stopgap before Pochettino or whoever inevitably comes in. But his, his, his record, in a form sense, is terrible. His managerial track record is poor. You look back on his time at Derby, and he did so with some future Premier League stars and international players in that in that side. So yeah, I'm not I'm not in awe of Chelsea going into this game. What I will say is they had a particularly busy April. They had two midweek games against um, Real Madrid, and this is the first time in a long time they've had seven days to recover properly and prepare for a for a football match. So they're not to be written off, but they are where they are in the table for a reason. My previous roadmap to survival required us to get points on the final day at Palace. I don't think there's much between Palace and Chelsea as a, as, as a prospect in opposition at this moment in time. So, yeah, I've had a dose of Greg's medicine. I'm thinking now, why can't we go there and get a point or three? A point would be an exceptional result, by the way. If we find ourselves on 34 points in a weekend in which Leeds and Leicester are expected to lose, we could put ourselves in an extremely fortuitous position and get back ahead of schedule, having suffered at Brentford and come through against Southampton on Monday. So, no, I'm not in awe of Chelsea. I don't think they're particularly organised. I don't think they particularly bought into uh, what Frank's trying to instil, knowing that he's a caretaker and someone new to impress is going to walk through the training ground door in a few weeks' time, but look at their squad. 
some brilliant individuals. I know they've got some injury problems down the, down the left-hand side and one or two players out of form. They've struggled for goals. Their top scorer is not what you would expect from a Chelsea top goal scorer. But there's, there's a team in there somewhere and the players that aren't hitting their straps this year, I think will be part of a successful team next year. We're playing them at a nice time. Let's get in, get the job done, get out of London with a point or three. Uh, a couple of bits in the comments I'll flash up. Uh, Emma says, go on, Thames. I think it might be the Emma that I was sat next to at the Brighton game. I'm not not sure um, who's a mate. Is she a mate of yours, Greg? Yeah, yeah, that's her, yeah. Well, hello to Emma. And secondly, <laughs> uh, where was this one that made me laugh? Oh, yeah, the chap in the B&Q, where walking around Leicester B&Q in his forest top. I did that one. <laughs> And I got dogs abuse, not in being cute, walking down the street. The white van men in Leicester. Just, uh, this was years ago when I was at uni. <laughs> just finding their windows down, swearing at me repeatedly. So fair play to whoever's done that. I think you, you get more abuse in Leicester than you do Derby, I find, which is a strange one. I think they're yeah, just a bit they more bit more rival, bitter, really. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're lacking a proper rival. Uh, there was another interesting one, which is actually on our talking points here. Um talking about uh, scoring first and the crowd might turn on them. So I've got a clip, which I'll play in with a chap called Bobby Vincent, who's a Chelsea writer for Football London. Uh, I spoke to him earlier and I put that question to him about the crowd uh, and how they might react. So here's Bobby and then I'll catch up with Greg and Temps on the other side. Yeah, definitely. Um, Chelsea fans have been very patient this season um, by all accounts, but they have understandably so i guess lost a lot of that patience and um it is quite it can turn quite toxic probably is the right word yeah um towards the players and you know we even heard when it went to chelsea went one and up at bournemouth and when i went when i went to one all it was one off quite a while and we heard chance against um todd Bowley, to her chance of roman abramovich the former owner so it's very possible that that will happen again um, yeah, that is the best thing Forrest could do because the atmosphere is likely to be flat because, you know, Chelsea at this point of the season, there's nothing to play for. They've, they've had such a terrible season. The fans, you know, haven't got their money's worth um, from what they've seen. And yeah, so it, it will probably be a, a flat atmosphere and one that could very quickly turn on the Chelsea players. Um, you'll be there, Greg. Fair play to you and all these fans who've spent literally. I mean, I don't know. I hope for your sake you haven't worked out the hole in your bank balance for this season. But fair <laughs> play to everyone who's done it. Um, I mean, it's been rough sometimes, but is this one you're looking forward to in the sense that obviously Forest fans will be right behind their team? And like Bobby said, there it could get pretty toxic, which is nice if you're in the away end but not the home end. I'm loving Bobby's optimism. I want a bit more of that. If uh, get us an early goal, that'd be great. Um, yeah, I went with Dortmund down to Chelsea in February and I couldn't believe how well Chelsea played. So, oh my God, and I think that's probably part of the problem that's in my head at the minute, thinking we've got to go and play that team, but it isn't that team anymore. We all know what it's like when a season peters out into nothing. I mean, they don't just expect European football. They guarantee it every year. So it really is a strange one for them. Uh, they're going to be fed up with Frank, but not able to really show it because he's a club legend. Um, yeah, and why not get that early goal? I do think we're going to be starting on the front foot. Uh, it's clear that we've found a way now with our attacking options and Danilo, like one of the best January signings we've had in, well, probably ever. So, uh, yeah, he's just given me 
he's just got me back to thinking we're going to get three points now. So I'm glad you got him on. <laughs> good, good. Uh, the Forest fan, I don't normally refer back to comments, but he says he's a he's a copper, so he's used to the abuse of the fan who the being cute. <laughs> being cute. <laughs> so, fair play. Um, Temps, is that key for you? I mean, it's a bit of an obvious, like in cricket, we always talk about the big first hour, but in, in if Forest go there and start well, because like you said, Chelsea have got very good players. You don't want to give them that incentive to show how good they are. You want to try and quieten the players down as well, obviously, in the first 25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And look, they've, they've got things to analyse here. Everyone's looking at Danilo now, trying to work out where he's come from, what he does. We've seen him kind of uh, come out of himself, haven't we, in the last three games um, in particular. I just want to talk about him for a minute because he arrived not knowing the language, but more importantly, he'd been playing the Brazilian season since April and by all accounts, just needed a bit of a rest. He played his 56th game of the season on Monday night, albeit after a rest, and he looks re-energised. He looks to understand his role in the team. His English still isn't great, but he's a player that supports that method we've found on the road. In the in-transition, he can make a quick killer pass and get us on the front foot. The best example of that being the crossfield ball to Brennan Johnson out of his cross to Taiwo, 1-0 on Monday night. I think he adds so much now that he's found a role in the side ably supported by someone like Ryan Yates in a kind of as a kind of minder figure um, to allow him to get on the ball earlier in the move and, and, and make it make a difference but also timing his runs into the box on these counters and popping up with a goal as he has in recent times to um, to, to, to good effect so yeah to Greg's point I think we we will stick to that um, tried and tested method of camping, absorbing pressure, um, trying to set up a broken field for us to um, spring a counter-attack into. And we have the players fit now. And most crucially, we've found the right balance in centre-mid and a way of getting the most out of Gibbs-White from the left, popping up in number 10 uh, when he can to make us um, deadly on the break. And that's that's the way to score here. We're not going to go front foot. We're, we've got a bit of a debate, haven't we, around the fitness of Aurier and what's going to happen at, at, at right back. But I think that central midfield three and that attacking three is is inked in. And Chelsea will be preparing to counter that. But having seen the footage of us in recent weeks, I think they'll be more concerned and taking us as a far more serious threat than they, they would have been before Danilo's run of, run of form in this, in this team. It's a, a great weapon to have. And if he can finish the season um, in this same vein of form, then he's one that's absolutely inked in to have a start in birth at the start of next season as well. Yeah, I'll come back to another clip from Bobby later because um, it's more relevant for what I talk about then. But one of the things he does say is Chelsea are susceptible on the break and have struggled against teams that camp in. So if we go there gung-ho, thinking, oh, we scored goals in the last few games, let's try that, then I don't think that's going to work. I know some fans want us to, but I, don't, I think it's just like get through this season however you can, and if it's ugly, that's fine. I think that's the way we'll probably have to go about it uh, on Saturday. So, as ever, we've got a team graphic, and we'll talk around it. Like Temp says, there's a few fitness concerns, and as we record this, Steve Cooper's doing his press conference in 40 minutes. There might be updates coming out of that, but this is a, a rough potential lineup uh, that could go there. I think it's unchanged, isn't it? From um, yeah, uh, from the Southampton game. So I'll read it out for those who are listening, not watching, and then we'll uh, discuss some of the names and the shape as normal. So Nabas in goal, uh, Aurier, Felipe, Nia, Kate, Lodi across the back four, 
Mangala, Yates, Danilo in midfield, and then Gibbs White in behind Johnson and a one knee as ever. Uh, so, Greg, uh, if Forrest, let's assume they stick with the back four for the moment. If Serge Aurier's out, are you comfortable with Joe Wall at right back? Because I assume it would be him having done that role uh, very well, to be fair, on Monday. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've said it yourself. He did do the job very well. And he also surprisingly wanted to get up the pitch, which he, a couple of times he went on a run, which was, you know, it's exciting to see. But the good thing is, with all that attacking threat we've now got, to have another defensive-minded wing-back, I think, will benefit us, especially against a Chelsea team that have got those attackers, even though they haven't been showing it in recent months. So, yeah, Joe Worrell, absolutely. It's, you know, three very, very good centre-backs. And... And I think we're going to need that in the running, especially if it's going to be like hanging on for a point or hanging on for a win, hopefully. I think it's a good move. Uh, people asking, people always ask this in the comments, where's Scarpa? I mean, Scarpa's still injured. So mm. I don't think we're going to see him uh, this season unless it's maybe on the bench. But you've already got Jesse Lingard there who can't get a kick. And uh, Dennis, who's a slightly different kind of player, who's also struggling for minutes at the moment. So uh, I don't think Scarpa's going to be much of a factor until... Um, probably next season now. Uh, Temps, what about the shape? I think people generally in the comments favour a flat back four rather than a three. Do you have any particular preference? Well, I interpret the shape slightly different to what I see here from, from the graphic. I see Tywo as an absolute focal point and number nine. And, and Gibbs White on the left side in the press and when, when defending, but popping up in the 10 spot when he, when he can. So I haven't seen his heat map from Monday night, but I think he will spend a bit of time in in wide areas as well. I think because of personnel, we should go with the, the back four. I think that the mix in midfield and the defensive intensity um, of, of those those three um, allows us to get away with a, with a, with a back four. Um, but also, when, when Worrell did come on, he, he didn't do himself any discredit whatsoever, did he? And he, he proved to be um, a more than capable filling at right back. When Dozy came on, I suppose it's a similar profile of, um, of player to, to Mudrick in terms of wanting to be a chalk on his boots winger, using his, using his pace to, to, to good effect. Joe's tactic was just to get touch tight on his first touch and not allow him to get up ahead of steam. So I, I've, I've got no um, particular concerns if Joe comes in as a make weight at, at right back. The key to the shape as always is the defensive discipline and energy of those midfield three. But I, I think we've um, stumbled across a really nice combination there. And it's an absolute bonus that um, Yatesy is getting himself towards a position once more of, of being a 90-minute footballer for Forrest because we've missed him so much. And this combination, along with the brave decision um, to, to leave Froiler on the sidelines for uh, this, this run of games in which um, we have found ourselves in more attacking threat. We have um, scored more goals. It's been a really, really positive thing. And the form of, um, of, of Gibbs, White and, and Johnson seems to be peaking at exactly the right time. So, yeah, this is the side I expect. Uh, Worrell in for Aurier, if there's any kind of doubt there uh, whatsoever. And I think it's a team that can cause Chelsea problems. Joe has spent, he actually spent last week training as a right back with Aurier, I assume was a doubt. And I assume he spent all this week training as a right back. And so when the comment says he's played as a right back when he was out on loan at Dagenham, I'm not sure if that's right or not. But also, he's had experience playing outright up against quick wingers and it hasn't gone well. And I hope he's learned from that. Because, like you say, Temps, 
he, he was really touched high and dealt with the dozy much better. And uh, yeah, I think I'd back him. Not not particularly to get forwards, but this isn't the game where you necessarily need him to get forwards. So I don't think it's a disaster if he plays. Last name I was going to throw uh, around was for you, Greg Ryan Yates. Um, I mean, I, he looked really tired when he came off. He looked tired after half an hour, if we're honest. And I, like I said, I don't on Monday. I don't think it's necessarily his best game, but he, if he gets a few minutes in this one and then keeps building his fitness. He's going to be a big player. And also, I think he helps Danilo and uh, Mangala do what they do as well. Yeah, and he was influential in one of the goals again as well. But, you know, we can't, obviously, with what he's been, well, we don't know what he's been through, but with the, the lack of game time, we can't probably rely on him for 90 minutes. But I think you always want to see his name on the starting lineup, And he, he does play that role where <laughs> he might not always be noticed, but he's a great player to have. And, he, he well, he'll probably well, I suppose if Warrell starts, he won't be captain. But if if Aurier is fit, he's going to be captain again, isn't he? And you need that player there, that that calm head to tell the others. So, absolutely, Ryan Yates is in the start and eleven if fit, even if he can't get ninety minutes. Mm. And if he's not fit, temps, and it maybe have to say actually you've done all your minutes in that game. We have to flip it around. I suppose Kiate starts, and yeah, he's done well aside from that absolute horrific Rick at Brentford. But you'd be comfortable with Kiate, would you? I mean, sorry, just left myself on mute there. Uh, I think Koyate took a, a backward step, didn't he? He was coming on against uh, Brentford uh, with a view to getting back in the side and did himself a bit of a, a disservice with the lack of bravery in that in that wall, which you debated to death already. So, it, yeah, it would it would be him. But again, he's not a player that I feel can give us 90 minutes at this stage. And I think the best value option is for Yatesy to run himself into the ground and introduce Koyate when he spent, as we did. I think Yatesy came off um, around around 70 minutes on our Monday night. So, um, yeah, he's not really a like-for-like replacement, but he's got that um, similar kind of defensive intensity. They've both got a yellow card in them. They're both the kind of centre mids that are just, you know, after you um, every minute that they're on the on the pitch. So, yeah, no, no big qualms if once again Yatesy fades and we find ourselves needing to uh, to bring check on for the last 20 minutes or so. But yeah, as Greg says, I think everybody takes uh, a lot of heart from Yatesy's story this, this season and the fact that he's got himself back into contention and, and he's now starting games again because whatever mix we've looked at, there was a period at the start of the season when we were calling for him to partner with, with Koyate. Now we like this combination of the three that we've um, we, we found ourselves with. I think if fit, these three could feasibly start all three of the remaining games in central midfield. I think the key player for me from my conversation earlier with Bobby, I'll play a clip now, is, is Brennan Johnson. Because as Bobby explains here, Chilwell's out by the sound of it. Um, and so is Kukurea. And their third choice left back is an 18-year-old who they might not fancy, and they might go three at the back. And then potential wing-backs, uh, Raheem Sterling, who did it a bit under Potter, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's a right-sided player anyway, or a central player. So Chelsea have got problems down that left-hand side. So to me, Brennan Johnson is going to be a really important player for Forrest. I'll just play this clip now and then uh, get you on the other side as normal. I mean, if Forrest are going to sort of take advantage of Chelsea, it probably will be down that Chelsea's left side. We've seen Lewis Hall there a lot this season, the 18-year-old lad from the academy, and he's done well. Um, but he hasn't actually played any first-team football since end of January, I don't think. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a go again, or they have before played Raheem Sterling there. 
um, at wing back or Pulisic or Loftus Cheek. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But yeah, Chelsea are, Chelsea are susceptible on the break, and um, they have been caught out a lot this season by that. They they like to keep the ball. Um, I imagine they'll probably have a lot of the ball on Saturday. Um, then you know the likes of Kovacic and uh, Enzo Fernandez very good on the ball, and they can control the game without really having that sort of killer touch in the last third. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, we've seen the amount of times I've seen this season, Chelsea lose the ball in midfield and the team break on them. And, you know, they've got their two wing backs up the pitch and they've got either two centre-backs or three centre-backs back. But yeah, it, I think if Chelsea were to set up in a three-back formation, um, which they didn't do at Bournemouth last week, then I think they're probably, they're less likely to get caught in the break. Obviously, they got those three men back. Um, but when they when they play with four at the back, they are a lot more. You know that they, they fall into the trap a lot more. So probably two talking points to pick up on there. Um, first one, Greg, I guess is Brennan, and if he can exploit them, and the fact he played so well against Southampton and looked right back at it, that would that give you a lot of hope that he can have a big influence in this game? Yeah, I mean, like I said last episode, quickest player in the Premier League this year, isn't it? So, absolutely, get round their left back, get round the other side, just just keep doing it, keep putting those crosses in. Brennan isn't the guy we're looking at now to to score the goals with Taiwo being fit, but but getting those balls in, getting behind the defenders, putting a low ball in, it seems to have happened a few times now. So that's going to be our biggest threat for me, and something that they'll be well aware of. So, I mean, Frank hopefully isn't the most <laughs> tactical guy and keeps four to the back and we can we can exploit that, but we'll see. Mm. And then the other thing is, Temps, from what Bobby was saying there is, you know, Chelsea are going to, the fans will want them to take the game to Forest. They'll have that ego about them. They think that's how they've got to play. And he talks about that weakness um, on the counter. And now we've got these four pretty buccaneering players in a one-year Gibbs-White, Johnson and Danilo. Forest are actually quite well set up for this game if Chelsea plays their hands, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And they they do they do leave space out wide. I mean, when everybody's fit and Reese James and Chilwell are playing, they are amongst the most attacking defenders in the, in the Premier League, as as you know from your dream team selections at the start of the start of the year. They're they're <laughs> points for us. Yeah, but what does what does that mean? They play high risk football. They look to outscore the opposition, but they they leave space in behind, and we've become very very adept at at breaking that breaking that down. It's going to be a game of chance conversion, so we will have chances against this side if we take them in the manner that we did against Southampton. We'll emerge with something from the game. Equally, if Tywo's puts Brennan's cross into the upper Bridgeford on on Monday night, it's a long old evening, and you. You're scratching your head a bit, aren't you? Our, our conversion on Monday was the reason why we scored four goals, four and a half if we count that Felipe goal, which I am, by the way, for the for the record. Um, I, I just think that's that's so key. And that those players at the minute will feel up, will feel in form. We'll be watching clips of themselves doing well on, on, on Monday night. Uh, we'll be motivated by um, Chelsea's run of results because... Let's not get too carried away with them beating Bournemouth 3-1. There's, there's a lot of consecutive losses um, before that. And yes, like some of those big London clubs that are occasionally full of self-importance, Spurs, West Ham, Chelsea, when it goes against them, the crowd turn negative. They sap the team. They boo at half 
of what Forest have experienced this year from a, a home venue and an away support that stuck stuck with them regardless. So I completely agree with the point. Yes, a positive start from us will make it harder for them to win because they're a club and a fan base that demand Champions League qualification every year. They've become mid-table, obscure, irrelevant um, this season. They're not happy and they'll make their voices heard if we can get on top early on. So, yeah, all power to Brendan Johnson. Let's hope he can bully this 18-year-old kid that's going to be trying to mark him at left-back. Um, as Liam says in the comments here, I think this is a, a, a good point. We did look really dangerous on the counter against Southampton, despite our other faults. And our other faults, Greg, are defending set pieces, basically, and you know, losing the ball in bad areas to an extent because you're going to get punished. But I quite like seeing Gibbs White put the ball at risk as he did. You know, that's going to happen sometimes. But set pieces, is that still the big worry for you when they've got Thiago Silva and players like that in the box? Yeah, it is. But also we're learning every game, aren't we? So <laughs> that's going to have been drilled home all this week. And like Temp said earlier, Chelsea have had seven days to prepare now, but so will we. Uh, so we are going to learn from that. And, you know, Gibbs White, he's just unbelievable, isn't he? I know he makes a couple of defensive errors and it can cost us, but what he gives us the other side is so much more important. So, yeah, we have got the defensive errors in us, but I think we are at that point now where it's turning and it is going to be a lot better. But like I say, we'll see. We'll see on Saturday. I just think there's going to be goals. And obviously we've conceded every every game for the last 14, but we're also scoring a hell of a lot more now. So, you know, I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. It'll be exciting either way. I think that's the thing for me. It could literally be 3-1 Forest, 3-0 Chelsea. It's one of those games. I think it's just how we turn up on the day and obviously how they turn up as well. So you've got to show them due respect for all their um, troubles. Uh, thanks to James Ray for his kind words in the comments. If you're enjoying it, do like and subscribe as that does certainly uh, help very much. Just looking at the other games, because uh, they're very relevant now at this stage of the season. Um, get your thoughts on them, chaps. Start with uh, Leeds, the early kickoff at home to Newcastle. How do you feel about that, Greg? The early kickoff, you know, Leeds, if Leeds get a result, it kind of cranks the pressure up on other teams. But, or do you just think Newcastle win that game at Ellen Road? Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to hopefully be watching that in a pub down near Chelsea, but trains being a nightmare, I've got to persuade our designated driver, Faz, to get down there early to watch it. But um, we watched that Everton game knowing Everton were going to lose. And this time of season, you just haven't got a clue, have you? So, although we all think that, you know, Leicester and Leeds aren't going to pick up points this weekend. It so easily can go the other way. So we've just now it's in our hands. Just do our business and not have to look at others so much. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, no one saw that Everton result coming. Certainly, and I, I thought the Leicester game would, would be a, a different affair. Talking of Leicester attempts, Liverpool at home. Liverpool now got an actual incentive for even the top four. So does that feel like uh, a Liverpool win for you? I've got an eleven to one treble for you. We're back in Liverpool away. Yeah. We're back in Newcastle to beat Leeds. And we're back in Forest Chelsea for the draw. So that is a perfect scenario for me. That would lead us into the two final rounds of fixtures uh, with a four-point cushion, which I, I think is, is important for our nerves as much as anything else. But I, I can't see anything other than a Liverpool win on Monday night. I think they will uh, run riot against a Leicester side that look extremely frail defensively. 
that look devoid of ideas. I think the reason Jamie Vardy is standing out in this team at the minute is for the sheer work rate, determination, effort that he's putting in compared to some of his teammates who've had their place guaranteed for, for most of the season. Um, I see them fading badly at the wrong time. And I cannot see any scenario in which they go to Anfield and come home with anything other than um, nothing at all. Sorry, it's at Leicester, isn't it? Uh, Irrespective, there is no way that Leicester beat Liverpool on Monday night. Uh, I'll put the table up since I've got it here. I think everyone probably knows it off by heart now. (laughs) Even know the goal difference. (laughs) Yeah, basically, yeah. I'll put West Ham in, um, but I I think 37 points is plenty, but not mathematically safe. So, uh, yeah, I'll read it out quickly. Forest on 33, Everton on 32, Leicester and Leeds on 30, and Southampton are are gone, uh, but I put a very valiant performance on uh, 24. And I'll just talk about the other game of relevance, uh, Everton at home to Man City. I mean, I do think Man City win the game, but I don't think it's quite a a canter because they're right between these Real Madrid games. So I would imagine that he rests a few players, maybe even Haaland. But, you know, when you've got Alvarez coming in, guy just walks into almost every other team anyway so I think a, a win for City there maybe 2-0 or 3-1 or something like that I mean actually they always concede that's another FPL thing of mine that one they, they have one shot against them on guard target and it always ends up in the net but I do think City win that game right um, any other business or anything you want to add Greg before we go Yes, uh, I know I speak about Sam Perkins almost every other week on this podcast, but that's because he does so much and he's such an incredible person. So the people who followed his story in the London Marathon, it it didn't quite go to plan. There were some technical issues and, you know, as much as he crossed that finish line and it was the most incredible day for him, he's still got that burning ambition to complete one more marathon. So the amazing people at the Rob Burroughs Leeds Marathon have made sure he's got a place for this Sunday. So him and Chrissy Wellington and all the gang are going up to Leeds. He's going to finally compete in this one more marathon. So please just, if you can, just go and follow him on Twitter. Go and follow Stand Against MND. And if you're in the Leeds area, even better go down on Sunday and just give him a cheer because it's just incredible what he's doing. So that's it for me. Well, shout out Chrissy as well, because I, I sometimes struggle to turn a corner when I'm pushing my trolley around Sainsbury's. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not a small lad, Sam. And she's not, she's not the biggest. She's very wiry, isn't she? And incredibly lean. So, like, she, the, yeah, the she's unbelievable. The determination of, of Chrissy is um, yeah, he's up, he's up there with, with Sam's strength of mind, too. What a, yeah, what a team. Uh, anything you want to attempt before we depart? Well, just I think there's one more surprise result in this season, and we've just had that conversation there without mentioning Everton, and that's only because they pulled it out of the bag against Brighton, and all of a sudden um, they're, they're being seen as safer than us, safer than um, Leeds and Leicester, according to the to the bookies. So, you know, this this thing isn't going to go to the form book in every game. There's a reason why we play these matches and we don't just arbitrarily give points to the favourite and a point each when we feel it's too close to, to call. So there, there will be something that, that goes awry that upsets the apple cart between now and then. I just, yeah, I just hope it's us rather than Mo Salah getting himself sent off after 10 minutes. Oh, Let's don't put that into my head. On. I know, these, <laughs> these things can happen. If, if, you, if you got your Excel spreadsheet out now and tried to predict not the score but the result, 
of the you know the the, the nine games that that count for us, you'd fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just I'm just I'm just mindful of that. But the lesson from Everton is one surprise win can make a huge difference at this stage. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like obviously we've won two out of three now, and we've got that slight it's a, a tiny cushion. But if things do go awry at the weekend. It's still effectively in our hands because I don't think you know every team's going to win every game. So that Southampton win was everything, really. If, you know, if we even if we draw in that game, it would have been an absolute disaster still. But winning it has opened up all these doors that hopefully uh, enough of them lead to survival, and we'll uh, have a, a happy summer look ahead to another season in the Premier League. Right, uh, thanks to everyone who's watched along. As Nick says, I do hit the like button if you're watching us on YouTube, and if you're listening on iTunes, give us a good view, review, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I should say there'll be a live show in the summer, and we'll have details coming up on that soon, just when I can work out who the panel is uh, and when we can do it. We'll be at the Trent Nab again, so look out for details on that. In the meantime, Greg, thank you very much. No, cheers. Good luck, Forrest. Come on, please. <laughs> Temps, thank you. Cheers, fellas. Set off early, Greg. Don't get caught in this train madness. I don't want you fighting any Notts County fans at some obscure <laughs> tube stop. You just get yeah, yourself down, in and out. Yeah, it's down to Faz. Make sure he leaves early. He's Desi Driver this weekend. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say, I'll make things. one more point. I know I, I listened to the podcast, obviously, and apologies for my late withdrawal. Had a bit to deal with. There's a reason why Greg was so hoarse. We got <laughs> a bit carried away, and we were, yeah, we had we had probably had two more pints than we, we anticipated um, having. And if you polled anybody in the Larwood on Monday night, they would have told you that we're home and hosed. It was like a, <laughs> a carnival at times. So, yeah, I, I think we all woke up on Tuesday morning with a sore throat and, uh, looked in the mirror, gave ourselves a bit of a reality check and realised that the, the task is still at hand. So, yeah, good to catch up with you on Monday, mate. And uh, yeah. I'll see you again soon. <laughs> Hopefully another celebration. I don't know, Greg and Gary on Monday must have still been enjoying, yeah, still on a high because they are absolutely convinced we were staying up. And I'm sure Greg still is. <laughs> yeah, right. I am. Of course yeah. I am, yeah. Oh, I'm still 50 Always have been. I know you always have been. I'm still 50-50. All right, well, quickly, what is a percentage for you, Temps? Uh, I think we are 66.666% reoccurring, um, staying up, staying in the Premier League. I think two times out of three from this point, we stay up. Adage in cricket, points on the board. We, we have got a three-point lead on Leeds and Leicester, and that's all that matters at this stage. Irrespective of fixtures, we wouldn't swap our position with, with um, the position that they find themselves in. So, yeah, for me, two times out of three, we stay in the Premier League. OK, so 50-50 for me. And Greg, 100? Well, no, I'm going to be like slightly more, I can't believe I'm saying this, negative 101, 101 because. <laughs> the I'm J. Saying, of maths. <laughs> I'm saying we've only got a two-point lead because if the others level with us, that goal difference, yeah. we've got to pick up. But I think it's as crazy as it sounds, it might only be another point needed. But I want to get it on Saturday so badly. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if we get that point on Saturday, no matter what about the other results, I'm going a lot higher than that. But at the minute, I'm closer to 50%. Are you going to ring Gary Neville and shout down the phone? Oh, I can't wait. No, well, more Carragher, yeah, I think. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. Right. I've done my usual trick of ending the podcast, and then we're still here five or six minutes later. So we'll definitely go now. So uh, thanks for everyone who's watched along. Hopefully everyone has a good weekend.
We'll be back on Monday at the slightly later, one well, much later time of 4 p.m. It'll be live with uh, Temps, Mikey, and Dan Story uh, from the iPay, obviously a big Forest fan. So do join us then. And uh, in the meantime, we shall see you soon. <laughs>